0: I just want to honor all the dads. Would y'all give it up for all the dads here today? And uh, man, happy Father's Day. It's so exciting. I want to read this verse that comes to mind about being a father. It's Proverbs 14, 26. It says, reverence for God gives a man deep strength, but his children have a place of refuge and security. I I think that that describes it very well. It takes a, a deep strength to be a good dad. Um, anybody can be a father, but it takes a special person to be a dad and, uh, being a place of refuge and security. And I just want to speak to this before we dive in this morning that, uh, some of you in this room, you grew up and you have a great dad. Uh, your dad was there and I just want to tell you, man, that is so encouraging and we need to honor him, um, and honor those men of God, uh, in our lives. And, and some of you, maybe you're in this place and maybe you've lost your father. Um, I, I want to I encourage you to spend today thinking about the good times, remembering him, celebrating his life. And I also want to speak to maybe a group of you who, when the topic of Father's Day comes around, it's kind of a tense topic because um, not every family is picture perfect. I think we would all agree with that. And uh, I just want to let you know that God is the best at making up the difference. Amen. Uh, Maybe that a man in your life or a father in your life has let you down or hurt you. Can I tell you today that you're in the best place if you're grieving in that area uh, of your life? There's been one perfect father in the history of the world. Amen. It's our Father in Heaven, and I want to encourage the dads today. God's proud of you. Keep pushing forward. The fact you're at church this morning, right, that's a good place to start. And, uh, man, I have learned in my short time of being a father, it's hard, okay? It is hard to be a dad, and diapers are no joke in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So in honor of Father's Day, I thought, you know, there would be not a better way to start off the message today than giving y'all the worst dad jokes that I could find, okay? So here's what I need you to do. You can't smile and you can't laugh, all right? If you laugh or smile, you'll lose. Is everybody ready? Prepare your face. All y'all are going to, this is how you normally just stare at me anyway, so it's perfect, okay? Y'all are just like, (laughs) all right, no laughing, no smile. I'm not allowed to either. I got to get myself together. All right. I sold the Roomba. It was collecting dust. <laughs> Thank you. One laugh. <laughs> no laughing. No laughing. What does a baby computer call his father? Data. <laughs> y'all, y'all, come on. You need to do better. I only seem to get sick on weekdays. I must have a weekend immune system. That one got me last night. I read that out. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I hate my job. All I do is crush cans all day. It's soda pressing pretty bad to whoever stole my copy of microsoft office i will find you you have my word that's the worst that is so bad (laughs) all right i got two more mom asked me to put ketchup on the grocery list and now i can't read any of it (laughs) last one that was funny that was funny what did the buffalo say to his son before he left for college bye son Okay, that's all I got, all right. Some of y'all, you didn't even smile, and I just want to let you know that's how you always look at your pastor, all right. Um, you did great. Uh, that was just as awkward as I thought it would be, so that's, uh, the goal is accomplished this morning. Uh, dad jokes are great. Yesterday, um, Kendra was gone for a little bit during the day, and, and Haven was down. Our daughter was down for a nap, and me and Zane were hanging out, and we went out in the backyard, and we were just roughhousing, and he, he has this pool that has collected a lot of algae in the backyard, and he was swimming in it, um, Lord protect him, and uh, he, he got all nasty, so when he came inside, uh, you know, he thinks that the shower is a car wash, he's like, car wash, car wash, and I'm like, all right, I'll put you in the car wash, and so he, he's in the shower, he's having a blast, he's got his dinosaurs in there, just having a good time, well, he gets out, and as I'm drying him off, I notice his hair is a little long, like, I was like, man, we need to clean you up for Father's Day, look good for your dad, you know, and so I get my clippers out, Okay, y'all kind of see where this is going. Uh, don't go look at my son over in, in Little Life today. Uh, I get the clippers out, and I, I sit him on the counter, and I was like, be still and do not move, which is, that's the worst. I mean, that's the worst thing you could tell a three-year-old anyways. Um, and so I get, to, I get to work, and I start working, and, you know, he's doing his little thing, and I have so much respect for the lady that cuts my son's hair at, like, uh, so much more respect, and I was like, stay still, and he was like, daddy, you're hurting me, you're hurting me, and I was like, shut up and sit still, like, I'm like, just sit still, you know, and so, he's like, no, you're really hurting me, you're hurting me, and I look, and he's bleeding, I had cut his ear, Um, and so I just throw a towel on his head, and I was like, God, just like Peter did, you put that ear back on, and I was like, in Jesus' name, and I was so afraid to look at what I did, (laughs) And, and so there was blood all over this white towel, and he was crying, I was like, son, we have to Finish the other sideburn. We'll just call it even. And so if you see him today, just pray for his dad. Um, his sideburns are a little lopsided in Jesus' name. And uh, we're going to take him to get a real haircut soon. Have you ever needed a miracle? Okay. I needed one yesterday, and uh, Kendra got home. I said, Babe, I got something to tell you. <laughs> I, I cut our son, and I'm so sorry. Have you ever needed a miracle? Like, seriously. Like, has there been a moment in your life where you needed God to do what seemed impossible? I just want to refresh your memory before you say no. And I want you to take a little trip down memory lane. Uh, when you were in junior high, middle school, high school, some of y'all were on the Dion roll, okay? And you prayed when those report cards were about to come out. Don't act like you didn't, okay? You prayed, God, if there is any way, has anybody prayed that prayer before, right? Some, Amen. Somebody is with me this morning. Maybe you built up the courage to ask that person on a date or they were making cuts for the sports team that you wanted to be on, and you were just believing for a miracle. On a, on a serious note, maybe you were believing for a miracle in someone else's life or something personal in your life. Like your, maybe your boss said, Hey, we've got to let you go. Or the doctor says, There's nothing else that we can do. Or maybe you're here this morning and your child has been running from the things of God. I, I'll even say this, maybe for some of you, the fact that you're in church this morning is a miracle from the Lord. Or or some of you, the fact that your spouse is sitting next to you this morning in church is a miracle from the Lord. Nudge them, okay? Say, we argued on the way here, but it's okay. Some of you, y'all, the fact that your spouse hadn't killed you yet, okay, is a miracle from the Lord. We've all experienced some type of a miracle And I I believe this, this is, if you wanna know where our church stands on this, we believe that God is still in the business of doing miracles. This church believes that God can do and will do everything that his word says that he's capable of doing. And so I wanna speak something over you today that God would open your spiritual eyes and that we would be able to have faith the way that he says to have faith. A miracle is something that cannot be explained by natural or scientific law. It is something that has to be a work of a higher power, and we believe that that higher power, his name is Jesus, that he is our Lord and our Savior. I want to give you some context for the, the passage that we read in Matthew 20. That's where we're going to be all morning, if you would just want to camp out there and make some notes. Um, so they're on their way uh, on the road from Jericho, and uh, large crowds were pressing in on Jesus, and there were thousands of people around. Uh, some believe that there was Ten or 20,000 people pressing in because at this point, Jesus was leaving one place and heading to another, and he had done some pretty miraculous things. So people are following him and wondering what is next. Now, they come up on this road, and these men were sitting outside of the gate, and uh, this specific road was known to be uh, lined with people who, who could not see. And the reason they were at this place was because there was a a bush that grew there locally or tree. And the sap that grew from this, many people believed if they got that rubbed on their eyes by one of the physicians, they would be able to see. And so there were a lot of people gathered on the road, they were believing for something that was actually supernatural, and they were in a position for a miracle. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write that down. That's the title of today's message is Positioned for a miracle. Matthew 20, it says as Jesus, and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. And there were two blind men that were sitting by the roadside. And, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now, like y'all know, I didn't grow up going to Sunday school. I didn't grow up in church. I was in Saturday school, okay, with my, with my friends. And uh, when I read scripture, I like to ask questions. How, what do you mean they heard that Jesus was going by. Like, y'all ever read things and you're like, what does that actually mean? How do you hear that a certain person is walking by in the midst of a lot of people? There's, There's people that are screaming and shouting for money, begging on the side of the road, and they were positioned for a miracle. And I think there's some things we can learn from these two blind men today. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we have to be positioned to listen. We have to be positioned to listen. I had a teacher growing up, and uh, she used to tell me, "Seth, God gave you one mouth. Y'all have probably heard this before. Two ears. You need to talk less and listen more." And I would. My response was, "God gave me really little ears and a big mouth. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to talk all the more, right? Kidding. But these these people, they had to position themselves to to listen. They they." had a stronger developed sense of hearing because it was the way that they navigated the world around them. And these, these two men, I would even be willing to say, they spent such a long time on this road, this specific place. And I want to remind you, there was no glasses. There were no contacts. There were no surgeries, none of that. These two men, their entire livelihood was based off of the generosity of everybody else around them. They, they, at this time, they couldn't work. They couldn't provide for themselves. And so th- it was a really interesting thing because they had to beg for money. And this is the, I just, I'm trying to set the scene for you. And many theologians believe that being by the gate of Jericho, it was much like being in the know. I think all of us in this room, every or maybe this is you, uh, we all have that friend. They just know everything. Kind of, they kind of know everything. It's like you can't tell them anything new. They just They're always in the know of what's going on. These, being around this gate, it, it was said to believe that a lot of chatter, a lot of talking was happening here, and they were in the know. I, I would like to say it was almost like if you were working in the office of a high school. I used to want to do that uh, so I could change my absences or tardies to uh, being present. And uh, I wanted to know who was in the principal's office. I wanted to know whose parents were being called, who was in trouble. And, uh, but you could kind of be in the know. It would be like working for the newspaper. Or working for a news station. And so I just want I want you to get this this image. They were walking through the city, and at this point, Jesus had done some pretty crazy stuff. Like, I just want to make sure you we're on the same page this morning. When when people who haven't heard anything in their life start to hear, people who were crippled their entire life start walking. When dead people start talking, people are gonna start probably talking about this guy, this Jesus guy. So the closer that Jesus got to Jericho, the more that stories started to spread about him. People were talking about him, walking the streets, telling their kids about this man. And I'm sure the conversation sounded like this, this Jesus guy, he's saying he's the savior of the world. This Jesus guy, I could just hear the whispers. Y'all, he's saying he's the, the son of God. The son of man, he's the savior of the world. He's the king of kings. He's the giver of eternal life. I can imagine these people are like, who in the world does this guy think he is? They start whispering. He heals a few people and the the news is traveling through the town. He's calling himself the good shepherd. He doesn't even have any sheep. And they're they're whispering. He he says that he's the way and the truth and the life. And no one can come to the father except through him. Y'all, what is this guy even talking about? He just turned some water into wine. We're inviting Jesus to the party next week. I'm just imagining they're like talking about all of the things he's doing. He caught hundreds of fish with some other guy's boat, some other guy's uh, tools, and he caught all these fish and he fed this whole crowd of people with a lunchable. Like he's casting out demons. (laughs) Yo, I'm just imagining, can you imagine all of this news is traveling through the city? And and they're talking and they're whispering, and he's blind, and what are they, their position, and they're listening. He healed a man with leprosy. He touched him. It's unlawful to touch him. He calmed the storm. This dude is walking on water. Are y'all tracking with me? They're they're, they're talking. And these men are listening. There's a woman that was crippled for 18 years, and now she is healed. There was 10 lepers that are now cleansed of their leprosy. And and I just imagine there was some guy, and they were like, someone that's really religious. They were like, yeah, and he's got these 12 rascals following him. They call themselves the apostles. And they are jacked up. They are so sinful. One of them used to be a tax collector. That's who we're reading about, by the way. Fisherman, a lawyer. These guys are just so bad. And they're they're following him. And they actually believe what he says. And then I could just hear it. They're whispering, y'all, y'all, you won't believe it. Y'all know Lazarus old Olazi? He died. And that brother is alive. And I just, just set the scene. At this point, Jesus starts walking up this road. All these blind men are on the road, all these people who can't see. They're believing maybe one moment to get with a physician to be able to be healed. But how many of you know, these two men had no idea they were going to encounter the great physician this day. They hear, they're positioned to listen. These blind men listen so well, they developed a faith in someone they hadn't even encountered yet to the point that when they heard that Jesus was near, they were willing to do anything to get into his presence. Just want to make sure you're with me this morning. They did not have blind faith. They had the faith of a blind man, meaning even when I can't see it, I believe it. Even when I don't see the fruit of it, I'm still going to have faith. And when they heard that Jesus was going by... They shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. I, just, I could spend the whole remainder of our time together right here, but I just want to tell you, for them to address Jesus as Lord three times and to call him the son of David means they knew exactly who this man was. So they heard that Jesus was going by. What does this mean for you this morning? How do we practically listen in the world that we live in? When you have no faith of your own, can I encourage you this morning? Number one, write this down. You need to listen to what God's already done. Did you know that your faith can build if you just read what he's already done? That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God that even when I don't believe it, even then when I don't see it, even when it seems like everything is crashing around me, I can read what my God is capable of doing and I listen to what he's done. Why? Because faith comes from hearing the word of God. So we listen, that's why there's power in coming to church. There's power in studying the word. Number two, we listen to what God is doing in the lives of the people around us. Have y'all ever been around somebody that has just a moment with the Lord or God provides supernatural for somebody? This is why we believe in life groups, community with other people, serve teams, relationships. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of their testimony. I'm gonna listen to what God's doing in the lives of others. And this one's my favorite. Listen number three to what people are believing for God to do in the future. I don't know about you, but I could tell you, I don't really like being around Debbie Downers. I just don't. I don't. I like being around people who are expectant, who believe for things that haven't happened yet, who believe that God's word is true, that it's alive, that it's active. I like people who are full of faith. I like being around people who got some vision, not people who are like, oh, it's always going to be this way. Oh, this, this, oh, man, life sucks, oh, you know? It's like, man, we got to get around some people believing for God to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. We need to listen. So we're positioned to listen, but also, number two, we have to be positioned to persevere. Why? Because there are going to be some haters. Have y'all ever encountered a hater? Everybody has, drinking hate or raid, okay? Like a critic, someone who's going to come against you. There is such thing as opposition. It says they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to what? Be quiet. I want to remind everybody today that these two blind men, their entire livelihood at this moment in scripture was based off of the generosity of the people they were arguing with in this moment. And so if they upset the crowd, it could jeopardize their livelihood. But in this moment, they were less concerned with the crowd's opinion and more concerned with getting in the presence of God. I believe that is a word for somebody today. You need to be less concerned with Facebook. <laughs> you need to be less concerned with the opinions of everybody else around you and say, I, don't ca- I just want to get in the presence of my God because when I'm there, he can change everything. Amen. i got to get in the presence of God. Be very careful listening to the crowd. I want to remind you that before Jesus went to the cross, he stood on a platform in front of a lot of people, and there was a man named Pilate standing there, and a man named Barabbas who was full of sin, broken down, a messed up thief. He was was jacked up. Jesus without sin, he he was the perfect sacrifice. Y'all, Pilate says to the crowd, who should we crucify? What did they yell out? Jesus. Crucify Jesus. Crucify Jesus. Can I tell you to be very careful listening to the crowd? Live in your life pleasing the crowd, because you may crucify Jesus in the process. Not only may you crucify Jesus in the process, you may lose your faith in the process. You may lose your identity in Christ in the process. The crowd has nothing to offer you. They said, be quiet. He said, I'm going to yell all the louder. Nobody's going to shut my mouth. My prayer, I've been praying this, that when people drive past this church, they would encounter the presence of God. They don't even have to come in the building. When people would encounter you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they would encounter you. They would encounter you. And then on Sunday, this is the gathering of believers where we celebrate all that God's doing in this region. They listened, but they were willing to persevere because opposition will come. How will you respond to it? Are you you willing and are you positioned to persevere? I I believe it is very evident these two men did not let the crowd dictate their perspective. They did not let the crowd dictate the way that they would have faith in Jesus and what he could do. I want to ask you this morning, are you positioned to persevere? It says in Galatians, let us not become weary in what? In doing good. For at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. What does James say? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when, when you encounter opposition, when the crowd comes against you, when There's trials and tribulation in your life. And then it says, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's a lot easier to read it than practice it, right? Hebrews tells us, let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us and let us fix our eyes on who? On Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I read that and I'm like, but what about these two guys? They couldn't fix their eyes on Jesus, so all they could do is position themselves to listen. What has God done? What is God doing? And what will God do in the future? I'm going to be positioned to persevere. When opposition comes my way, I know how to respond because I've got the word of God. I've got the Holy Spirit to lead me. But y'all, if you've lived for God for any amount of time, you know this next part. When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of who? Who? And it's the best place you could be in. It's the best place. Did y'all know the world around us is diminishing the power of prayer? I I don't know about you, but that's that's the only hope we got. (laughs) Because if God doesn't shake heaven and earth, we are in trouble. We need to activate. And we need to take full advantage of the opportunity to talk to our Father in heaven. Did y'all know it was partially why Jesus went to the cross? So that we would have access to him. Nobody comes to the father except through Jesus. We have to be number three, positioned to pray. So we listen, we we persevere. And number three, we, we have to pray. I love this part that when the blind men were told to be quiet, they yelled all the more. They yelled all the more. Some of you in this room, everybody look at me. Somebody in this room this morning, maybe multiple of you, you've been told your whole life that your story doesn't matter, your life doesn't matter, you do not have a purpose, you're insignificant, you're an accident. Whatever it may be, can I tell you, that is a lie from the pits of hell. God has a purpose for you. He wants to, he wants to prosper your life if you will be obedient to him. These, these guys, they're, they're in a position where they're crying out to Jesus. He's walking by, they hear him, they're listening, they're persevering, but they're praying. When the world tells you to be quiet, can I tell you, you need to pray all the louder. You, well, Seth, why are you so passionate? Because when God changes your life, you have no response but passion. I wish I could just show you who I used to be. God got involved and got his hands dirty in my life. Can I tell you that that's what Jesus did for you too? There is no better message on Father's Day than to recognize that Jesus has come to save our lives so that we could have relationship with the perfect father in heaven. These two men, they were listening, they were persevering and they were praying. Hebrews 11 verse one, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and it's assurance about what we do not see, but they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. That word mercy, if you've got a Bible, will you circle that? Write it down in your notes. It's, the meaning is sozo. What this is, this is a spiritual and a physical thing that's taken place. It is a physical healing, but did you also know that their eyes were opened spiritually that day? Because there is a significant difference in just knowing who Jesus is and knowing who Jesus is. Y'all tracking with me? There's a difference in head knowledge about God. And no, 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 I know who my savior is. I know that I've encountered the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy, the sozo. This is what these men are about to encounter. It says in verse 32, Jesus stopped. I wanna be able to pray that way. I wanna be able to talk to my, my father in heaven that makes him stop dead in his tracks. He stopped and he called them. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And I just wanna make note that this was not the first time that Jesus asked this question. If you read back a few chapters in Matthew, you'll see that James and John said, we want you to do whatever we ask. (laughs) Can I tell you that Jesus is not a genie in a bottle? He's not a, like, if you pray the perfect prayer, he's gonna do what you want. And Jesus, I'm just convinced he's got a sense of humor. Jesus said, what exactly is it that you want me to do? (laughs) And James and John said, we wanna sit at your right and sit at your left in heaven. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. I'm convinced he stood up. (laughs) You don't know what you're asking. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And I'm sure that James and John probably sat down and they were like, well, that was a stupid question. you know." So he says, what do you want me to do for you? I I wanna tell you today that when Jesus is looking into your life and he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? He is way less concerned about your request. He's more concerned about the position of your heart. James and John were off a little bit. Would y'all agree? We want to sit at your left and right. There's something off. But when you come to God and you haven't seen and you you heard and, and you've persevered and you're praying and you're doing your best, can I tell you that God will show up on your behalf? the position of your heart. Specific prayers receive specific answers. And I wanna ask you a question that you've probably heard before, maybe in church. If all of your prayers were answered from this week in the last seven days, would your life and would this church and would this world look any different? We have to pray. I'm not the best at this. We we took our spiritual giftings and all this stuff, test and connect, and we we had a lot of people join the church this last Sunday. So intercession and prayer is actually one of my lowest. It is it is hard. Like I have a hard time praying. Well, Seth, you're a pastor. I know. Pray for me. <laughs> we have to pray. We have to pray. The last thing I wrote down, number four, as we closed, is we we have to obey. So we listen, we, we persevere, we pray and we obey. Verse 34, it says that Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and they followed him. If you would, would you circle the word followed? If you've got a, a Bible or your know, circle that word followed because this is what happens sadly, often in, in, when people are trying to live for the Lord is people will have a radical moment with Jesus he heals their life. He answers the prayer they've prayed forever. And then they turn and do their own thing. I've done this, the thing that I begged God for, and then it happens. And then it's like, well, I go about my own way and I forget that my father hears my prayers and that he responds on our behalf. Do, do you know what it means to submit to God and to obey? This is like a cuss word in the, in the world today, by the way, obey. Obey. Well, don't tell me what to do. Obey. (laughs) Obey. Some people are cringing as I say it. Obey. This is lordship. This is submission to the things of God. This is not an attractive thing to talk about in the world today. But can I tell you it's the way that God wants us to talk about it? Submission to Jesus. This is what it means. When you obey, you're taking a command from Scripture and you're submitting your life to it. I'll meet with people all the time. And this is what they'll tell me, well, Seth, I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter if you agree. Submission is when you don't agree. Most of the time that I'm submitting to something, it's because I may not see eye to eye with it, but I trust that my Father in heaven knows what's best for me. I remember when I got radically saved. Y'all, I'm telling you, my life was all kinds of jacked up, addicted, addicted. I was was stealing, I was doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And I remember when God got involved in my life and I started opening the word of God, I remember thinking, oh, I've got to (laughs) change. I've got to turn from my ways. This is what God wants. He wants you to obey and follow him. There is a significant difference than you just getting saved, than you getting saved and following Jesus for the rest of your life. This is the difference between experiencing salvation, sozo, a spiritual eyes being opened and you giving your life to Jesus and saying, whatever you say, I'll do it. When you say to stop, I'll stop. When you say to go, I'll go. When you say to pray for that person, I'm gonna pray. When you say to love that person who has a different, they agree differently than me. They're on a different aisle politically than me. I'm gonna do it, why? Because my life is in submission to God. This is what it means to follow Jesus across the room. If you would go ahead and stand to your feet. We're about to sing a song and two weeks ago, I told you the history of amazing grace a little bit and we're gonna sing another really famous hymn here in a minute. I would be willing that, to say that these two men got an eye full that day. Y'all know how people say, well, they got an ear full. These guys got an eye for. I want you to imagine this real quick. Just go with me. Imagine you've never seen and Jesus and his hands get removed from your eyes and the first thing you see is your heavenly you see Jesus. Have your eyes been open to the things of God? Have your eyes been open? Can you see the world around you differently like the like the, like God sees it? And I just imagine these two men they start following Jesus. The word says they followed him. And then he goes in to the place where people would cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. He goes to the temple. I imagine these two men, they're looking, they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Jesus starts turning over tables in the temple, driving people out with a whip because it was actually a place of worship, not a place like they were making it. I imagine them following Jesus to the cross and watching from a distance because they were a little scared. And they saw Jesus and he was being crucified, doing exactly what he said he would do. I imagine them being around probably when Mary and and they were running around saying, y'all, Jesus resurrected. He's gone. He did exactly what he said he would do. Have your eyes ever been open to the Lord? These these guys, they've never seen and now they can see. Do you remember the day you got saved? I just wanna go back down memory lane. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced the grace of God. This is a great place for you to, to do that. Can I just jog our memory real quick? Do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Would you just go with me? Would you close your eyes across the room? Do you remember when you could see the things of God for the first time? I forget, I've got a memory problem. I forget about God's faithfulness in my life, This. This song that we're about to sing, I just want you to keep your eyes closed. It's called Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. The lady who wrote this, she could see up till six or seven weeks of life, and then she was blind the remainder of her life. This, I was studying her life this week. Her name is Fanny Crosby. She wrote 9,000 plus hymns, memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, memorized Proverbs, memorized uh, the, the Song of Solomon, which I don't know why she memorized that one. I, it's kind of weird, but she was having a conversation with a preacher one day and the preacher said, it's a shame that God didn't allow for you to see and her response to this guy stopped me dead in my tracks. She said, do you know if at birth I had one wish, it would have been that I was born blind because when I get to heaven, the first face that would ever gladden my heart would be the one of my, sa- my savior. It would be the first face I would see, it would be Jesus. I wanna ask you today with no one looking around, are you positioned to listen? Are you positioned to persevere? Are you positioned to pray, to to pray for the world that we live in, to pray that God would do exceedingly and abundantly more? Are you positioned to obey, to follow Jesus with your life? What is blessed assurance? It is a holy and sacred confidence that God is the savior and the Lord of my life, that Jesus, took on flesh and died for my sin. He gave his life for me that I wouldn't just experience eternal life in heaven one day, but that I would get to experience life abundantly right here and right now. Right here in this moment, I wanna pray for you. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace. I pray today that eyes would be opened. I pray, God, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. I pray for anyone in this place this morning that their eyes have been covered by sin or their eyes have been covered by the things of this world. God, would you open their eyes this morning? I pray that as you open their eyes and they can see as they experience grace, as they experience healing in their life, that they would submit their life to you, that they would turn from their sin, that they would fix their eyes on you, Jesus, and they would follow you for the rest of their life. God, I pray that you would give every believer in this room, every person who's been following you, doing their best with with their family and their marriage and their finances, God, I pray that you would bless them. God, I pray that you would remind them that you're with them as they navigate this life, God, that your presence is with them. God, I, I pray that you would open the heart that's been hardened their entire life. I feel like there's somebody here today, God, their heart has been so hardened to the things of God, been hardened to church, hardened to your word and your spirit. God, would you move in their life? Would you breathe on them right now in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name.